Good morning, listeners, and welcome back to the Under the Scope podcast, where we discuss music. Recording live from St. Louis is your host, Will Brost, co-hosting in West Coastin', my good friend Patrick Anderson. How are you? Doing pretty good. I like that this has now become the <laughs> the thing for me. <laughs> what, like your location? Co-hosted in West Coastin'. Listen, we're, I mean, we are two cisgendered heterosexual white men there is no diversity other than where we are physically located i mean that's just <laughs> yeah honestly that's that's about as good as you're gonna get that's the, true the one thing that distinguishes us is that i live in missouri and that you live in california <laughs> Yeah. But you were even, you spent most of your life in Missouri, so even then. <laughs> yeah, that, there's an interesting fact for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. That's about as good as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, we're here uh, once again to talk about a few albums uh, that have been uh, somewhat buzzworthy over the past couple of weeks. Um, our last podcast was strictly a recommendations podcast. Um, but there were a few albums that came out around that time that we wanted to touch on, and thus we will be discussing the latest records from Phoebe Bridgers, Haim, Bob Dylan, and Arca today. Um, pretty pretty interesting mix of albums here. I mean, yeah. throwing an Arca record into any mix is going to <laughs> make it interesting in its own right, but um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about all of these. Is there any particular one you wanted to begin with? Yeah, I have a, a system for this. For oh, this today a, too. a system, okay. <laughs> yeah, very complex system that only I can really handle. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and <laughs> lay out the framework. I'm excited. We're doing. Uh, we're. D- <laughs> this one is is really just because of Bob Dylan. Mm. We're going to be doing the age, uh, <laughs> the age <laughs> order. So oldest to youngest. Okay, I have two questions. Or not two questions. One, a comment. I know okay. who number one is. After right. that, I'm pretty lost. And then Well, that's why I designed the system <laughs> for me to control. Okay. Um, so I have that under lock, so no worries. I can I can I can tell you okay. who's <laughs> older than who. And then t- I I appreciate that it's the research. Literally, that goes all it took was me googling same <laughs> ages, archive. <laughs> we are um, a a research heavy podcast here, uh, so I very much appreciate your hard work. My no second problem. concern, however, um, Heim are three sisters. Um, right. Yeah. Does that um, matter at all? So um, the <laughs> it does confuse things a little bit, um, but since I typically uh, Daniel Heim is the is the most notable mem- member, I'm going by her age okay. as the as the age of that that uh, represents the group. Okay, it uh, that's fine. It's your system. I won't question. I guess I could have done an average of the ages, but I literally just decided on this before the podcast. So <laughs> this is fantastic. I love this. Um, so, by my calculations, um, 
and actually, let me guess these as we do this. But I believe we are going to start with Bob Dylan. Is that correct? Surprisingly, yeah. Okay. All right. That's that seems sense like that made sense to me. Um, I wasn't yeah. sure. Again, it, I think it kind of came down to the the Heim sisters. I know one of right. them is really old, like eighty five, right. but I wasn't sure right. about yeah. the other two. Um, yeah, but yeah, since Daniel Heim is not eighty years old, <laughs> we're gonna go with Bob Dylan. Right, and this is not an ageism podcast. This is just how we've decided to. No, we're showing respect to our elders by putting Bob Dylan first. Absolutely, and and there is a lot to, and I guess we'll just go into it. Uh, Bob Dylan, uh, his new album "Rough and Rowdy Ways." Um, brief introduction on Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan is a Nobel Prize winner. Uh, no, <laughs> Rough and Rowdy Ways is his 39th studio album. 39th studio album. Incredible, yeah. We don't normally talk about Bob Dylan on this podcast every time he releases an album uh, because most of his classic work is decades old at this point. But what caught our attention this time is the critical reception to Rough and Rowdy Ways. Pitchfork gave it a 9.0 out of 10. They big thiefed him. And it mm -hmm. currently has a Metacritic of 95 out of 100, which is the second highest Metacritic score of 2020 so far. Shout out to Fiona Apple, who of course deservedly has that spot. Patrick, this, okay, this is the only age that I know because I think it's relevant to the record and the content of the record. Um, right. Bob Dylan is 79 years old. Um, my favorite works of his that I've actually listened to are 50 years old at this point. Um, are you a fan of Bob Dylan? And what did you think of Rough and Rowdy Ways? I mean, I, I it's hard for me to say I'm a fan of Bob Dylan because I haven't listened to that much of his catalog. Um, and I feel like if I say I'm a fan of Bob Dylan, I got to know like a lot more than I do know or else right. yeah, I, I pose the risk of being attacked by fanboys, <laughs> um, which is totally understandable. I mean, the guy is one of the most influential people ever, just in general. Mm -hmm. um, so, I'll I'll say like I I'm a fan of the idea of Bob Dylan more than I am like a fan of his overall catalog. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean I liked this album um, quite a bit for the most part. There's some moments on here where that felt a little bit just kind of like too um, too classic rocky at at points for me. Um, mostly instrumentally but the songwriting on here is just pretty much fantastic all the way throughout um yeah i i i really like this album it's this is one of the most well out of all of these this is the most intimidating to talk about mm. but it's also one of the most intimidating that we've ever talked about because talking about bob dylan is like like I'm scared to like interpret lyrics and like I, I'm scared to like criticize things in a way because because of like how little I've did, uh, gone into his discography in the past. You know what I mean? 
mm-hmm. he's such an influential person and um, has so much just insane imagery and poetry behind him that you know and the fan base that he has is so ad- avid and passionate that it's like this was an intimidating undertaking but for the most part yeah i really really like this album i've only listened to two bob dylan records in full um those being highway 61 revisited and blonde on blonde which are consensus mount rushmore bob dylan records it's not like i just picked two at random um yeah, well, he's I, got a bunch too. So. Right. I mean, I still haven't listened to like Blood on the Tracks or you know right. um, yeah. the Free Wheel and Bob Dylan. Like, there's so much I still have not even gotten to. So I too cannot really say I'm a Bob Dylan fan without like placing a huge asterisk on that. Um, right. But I have quite enjoyed what I've heard. Um, I like Highway 61 revisited so much. I went and purchased it on Wax. So. I get the appeal of of those records, and like you said, there is some sort of, I I wouldn't use the word intimidation, but when it comes to the lyricism, there is a lot of depth to it that I I feel, I never feel like I analyze Dylan lyrics enough, and there are Dylan fans that specialize in uh, analyzing his lyrics. Um, he does have a very hardcore fan base, uh, which is which is great. I mean, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty great. Yeah. Um, this album uh, has a lot of what makes Bob Dylan great: uh, the lyricism, the songwriting. Um, but you know, th- there is a um, kind of an edgelessness to this album. I would say it's a bit tame. Uh, honestly, it's a little boring to my ear. Um, Mm. but I mean, I I think mostly it's that, like you said, it's a lot of these classic rock instrumentals that aren't, they're a little boilerplate by today's standards and they don't progress a whole lot over the course of the runtime of these songs, which can often be quite long. Um, but I think the main positive appeal of this record is the songwriting and the lyrical content and the lyrical structure, um, which is mostly verses and I think just one single chorus on the entire record. Uh, so that makes the record a bit intimidating. Um, I don't know. I wish I could say I liked this album. I- I'm pretty on the fence about it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of understand that. Like, I mean, there's some songs like uh, Goodbye, Jimmy Reed, for an example, um, that like, you know, kind of, they have that like halfway bluesy kind of just very traditional rock feel to them. Um, and given the fact that it's there's no real chorus, um it starts to get very repetitive instrumentally. Um, and the lyricism, like, I'll take that song as an example, because I think it's probably my least favorite song. Um, the lyricism is interesting enough, and it, like, I don't know, like, he paints such, he paints imagery so well that it can be really captivating. But um, at times, it's kind of like, 
he's at times he's rehashing history in a way that's very captivating on like murder most foul um but at other times he's kind of like reminiscing over the past and over like musicians and what it meant to be a musician at his time growing up and uh, as opposed to how he feels about it now and it's interesting but um i start to like kind of lose the message of everything over this like overly repetitive instrumentation right uh and uh yeah i mean but honestly like it's that I think at first, like on on the first couple listens, that was like a pretty big turnoff for me. And I was like, uh, you know, there's some really nice moments on here instrumentally, of course. But uh, there was a, just uh, quite a few moments where I was like, all right, like I get it. But after really diving into the lyrics, I think I have a, a different appreciation for this now. Um just because it, it adds a lot more context to it, and I'm kind of ignoring the instrumentals a little more, which isn't necessarily like a good thing aesthetically, but it's it's something it shows just you know how that's how great of a songwriter Bob Dylan is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and any sort of praise I do have for this album lies pretty much solely in the lyricism and the songwriting. There are a few th- yeah. a few themes that I find very interesting. First, obviously, the the sort of theme that permeates throughout the record of aging and death and growing yeah. old, looking back on a life that has been long lived, that kind of permeates through every song here. Um, even "Murder Most Foul," a song that is about yeah. JFK's assassination, there's like an undercurrent of. It's sort of in line, I mean, with Bob Dylan's career, um, which began around that same time. And so Bob Dylan is kind of, again, it's a a little complicated, but every song here, I think, kind of goes back to Bob Dylan reflecting on where he's at in his life right now. Um, We have a, I mean, we have a song called Black Rider, uh, which is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, you know, there's a lot of songs that are about his death, and in that way, it reminds me of Leonard Cohen's You Want It Darker or David Bowie's yeah. Black Star, um, and I think that's very powerful uh, stuff. Um, but while I loved an album like Black Star, here, I think there isn't enough variety. You use the word repetition, Um and again, that's all sonically. Um, the lyricism from one song to the next, the uh, the content, there's enough variety there to keep me interested. But mm. these, I guess, sonically, it's I really am having difficulty distinguishing one song from another, except that some are clearly more blues-inspired than others. Yeah, and those moments are my least favorite, honestly, the mm. more blues-inspired like I don't mind, uh, honestly. Um, for me, I, I don't mind the repetition of some of these like really beautiful, very skeletal um, guitar, like acoustic guitar heavy moments, mm-hmm. um, because it sounds very natural for Bob Dylan too, and it fits the aesthetic of the subject matter of the uh, of a lot of the lyrics and. Uh, 
just Bob Dylan's whole persona in general. I, I, I think that's just more maybe of what I expected. Um, so I, I don't mind the, uh, the repetition, I guess, of the more acoustic moments on here. Um, it's when it starts to break away into the bluesy songs that I'm like, uh, this was kind of unnecessary. You know what I mean? Cause it sounds like he's trying to throw some sort of variety into the mm. mix that, doesn't really sonically quite fit mm. um but yeah i mean yeah I, I i don't mind the um or or like mother of muses is an example like that i think was executed pretty well because it's kind of like a church hymn almost in a way but it still doesn't fit within the uh the rest of the the track listing that well uh, yeah, I, this one's been a little tough for me because, like, when I when I finish listening to it, I'm like really uh, emotionally affected by a lot of the in- or, or sorry, a lot of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the instrumentation is just kind of boring a lot of the time. Sometimes it's really really nice. Like Key West, I mm-hmm. think, is a gorgeous track. Um, pretty much all the way throughout. I think the instrumentation is very understated but it like fits so well with this like really subtle like accordion sound um i contain multitudes i think is a is a really beautiful uh sonically a really beautiful track and one other thing i wanted to point out too just aesthetically that i actually really like and i'm interested to hear what you think about this because this is definitely a a key point of the album too is that i really love bob dylan's voice on i was this. just i was just gonna say that i was just gonna okay. say that um i was gonna say the one thing sonically that did resonate with me in a, in a positive way um you know if you look back at we can talk about 1960s bob dylan records and the thing that always gets joked about is the like me you know i mean that's just yeah, yeah. that's part yeah. of bob dylan's identity um but if that voice is a deterrent for you. This album does not have that, and I think his voice has aged gracefully um, into yeah. a sort of gruff, a little bit raspy voice. I, like I think his voice sounds great on this album, honestly. Yeah, he's almost got some crooner elements to, yeah. um, and I know he did that uh, that Bob or sorry the uh, Frank uh, Sinatra covers album like a couple years ago, so maybe that's where he gets it from, but he's almost got some like very sing songy crooner elements to his voice at points. Um, so, uh, but one of, I like how raw his voice is for the most part and how you can really hear the age and he doesn't try to like cover anything up in that way. Um, but there's still so much passion in his voice that you can hear. And it's, it, it does really, help with the imagery and the songwriting because like you said it's a it, a lot of it is about aging in general mm-hmm. facing up to your own natural mortality um and just reflecting in you know uh, uh, reflecting in bob dylan reflecting on his life and like what it's actually meant to him and hearing that 
clear age in his vocal delivery. Um, yeah, it's really affecting. It sounds, it, I mean, it's it sounds like someone who's older really just thinking about their life, and that's a hard thing to listen to sometimes. Like, even if they're reflecting positively about it, it still can be really uh, melancholic to listen to because, you know, you know that what you know that things are coming towards an end. I'm not trying to put a death sentence on Bob <laughs> Dylan or anything, but right, he's he's uh, it's note it's noteworthy that he has sung about his death for a while now. This isn't out of nowhere. Um, I guess even I forget the name of his 1990s young too. What's he's, yeah he's, right, yeah even when he was young, but this is a right. little different because he is almost 80 years old true uh yeah um i will say i guess to your point about his voice um i think it sort of sells a lot of the the messages about aging on here that's why uh i guess a song like crossing the rubicon is maybe one of my favorite songs on here um Mm -hmm. it's a song that i think is a very tasteful river crossing metaphor um that's sort of this you know crossing over into the afterlife is how i interpret it um lyrically but his voice adds a lot to that song again it's one of these things where i don't have a ton of complaints about the song other than there isn't much progression to it um so that that's kind of the crux of a lot of these songs for me and unfortunately we need to move on but i'll just kind of say there is while there is a repetition and uh, a sort of dullness that often hinders the listening experience for me. There is a lot of positivity to come from simplicity, and there is a lot of grace to this record. Um, and I think that if you like Bob Dylan mostly for the songwriting um, and the lyricism, then I imagine you'll love this album as well. I don't have a ton of complaints there, but it's not a particularly exciting record or even like an engaging record sonically. Um, so I'm ultimately on the fence at a, a five out of 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We're okay. We're pretty, uh, we feel pretty different about this, honestly, then. Mm. Wow. Um, okay. cause like, I, I agree with you. I think that there are elements to this that are, a little like sonically repetitive and a little boring in certain ways. But um, I think that it really ultimately makes up for itself almost completely by the lyricism. I don't I really have any complaints overall on how the songwriting is. And um, Bob Dylan's delivery, I think is fascinating. And I think it's some of the most like, detailed and textured that I've heard um, him do. And again, I'm not a huge Bob Dylan expert, so, you know, feel free to, to at me on Twitter if I'm wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that for all the repetitiveness on here, I still come out feeling very affected by the content on this. And I think the, and I think for the most part, honestly, sonically, I don't, I don't mind it. It's, it's pretty innocuous. Like there's it, it, while it might be 
a little boring at points like on you know goodbye jimmy reed or i think crossing the rubicon is a great song but i think the instrumentation is just a little like flat Mm. so you know while while it may be a little boring at points in that way it's not like there's no uh it's not bad like i don't not like uh the sonic elements of any track if that makes sense Mm -hmm. uh so you know to that extent i think that it's really pretty positive um i think it's a very poignant album i love the themes of like really trying to make sense of his life as you know what it is because it's fascinating just to hear bob dylan talk about his own experience of living um yeah i i mean i feel like we could we could talk about this album for a long time still even though you're not feeling as positively about it as me i mean there's so much still to talk about on this i agree with that that. you know but i'll i'll just cut it short i still think that this is a, a a worthwhile listen um yeah, I'm I'm sitting at like a seven out of ten on this. Okay. Yeah, I I agree that there's just I mean this could have been its own podcast in some ways. We could have gone song by song and just really got into the weeds here. But um, yeah, yeah, I guess to split it, that's a six out of ten from us. Again, like consensus, this is one of the best albums of the year critically. Um, so definitely yeah. check it out. But um, it's just not yeah. clicking with me. Gotcha. So, I imagine for the next artist, we're going slightly younger. Uh, where, All right, yeah. Okay, let me think here. <laughs> Would it then be... I'm going to guess Haim. I feel like they've been around longer, at least. Nice. That, that was a good guess. Is that correct? Or is it just yeah, a good guess? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> all right. Um, well, yeah, that, yeah, a good guess would mean it's right, because there's only, like, a couple of <laughs> options. <laughs> that's true. Um Okay, Haim uh, with the album Women in Music Part 3. A bit deceptive. Uh, there is no Women in Music or yeah. Women in Music Part 2 that I'm aware of. Haim is a pop rock band from Los Angeles featuring three sisters. Women in Music Part 3 is, is studio album number three for them. A lot of threes so far in this description. It currently has an 89 out of 100 on Metacritic, which was higher than I thought. Um, everyone seems to be loving this album. It's been a while since I've listened to a Haim album in full, but like any college student in 2013, I really loved the song The Wire, I lo- and mm-hmm. I still love that song. Um, what What did you think about this one? I thought it was pretty good. It was about uh, what I expected, honestly, but mm-hmm. there was also, like, like overall, it was it, it kind of ended up like the enjoyability was about what i expected it to be um but there was a lot of cool risks on here that are being taken in the kind of venturing into like experimental pop in ways mm-hmm. um, that i thought were interesting and i thought were captured pretty well um yeah overall i i think that it's a pretty solid project i think that it's a little bit like it's a little lengthy um, for me, but yeah, I, I, it's it's pretty good. I I want to say too, like 
Heim has been a band for me that like I've enjoyed, but I don't think I've been like as like because they have a really uh, uh, they have a really like avid fan base. I think too that like and critically, I think that they're always very highly rated, um, and I think that they're pretty good. I just you know I, I think I don't connect with it as much as some people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So, yeah. This album, I think it's all right. I think it's, I think it's solid. Um, the the one thing that like immediately jumped out to me as soon as I heard the first couple of tracks on here, which I love, um, mm-hmm. was oh, this really reminds me of Vampire Weekend, or at least their newest album. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, I, I immediately kind of paused after that and dug into the uh, the notes, the the liner notes, I suppose. Um, Rostam helps with yeah. production on pretty much every song here, uh, which I'm okay with because I've always loved Rossum's work. And this album kind of continues the, uh, the Heim vampire weekend cinematic universe here where <laughs> Heim featured on several songs from the most recent vampire weekend record. Um, I don't know. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get father of the bride out of my mind while listening to this record. And so, yeah. Much of my praise, the much of the praise I have for this album, uh, is similar to the praise I have for Father of the Bride, where it's very enjoyable and catchy, but mostly like passively enjoyable. I don't think there's a ton of active listening um, to be rewarded yeah. here. Um, there are some moments of variety here there's some smoother moments there's some like sexier moments and like you said there's experimental moments uh my favorite songs are the ones that are the more in your face just unashamed pop rock anthems um but my main complaint here is my main complaint from father of the bride which is that there is plenty of filler on this album in my opinion um Though I think everything is constructed well and well-written, well-arranged. Some of these songs feel a bit redundant. Um, uh, Some of these songs feel sort of, I think I already used the word boilerplate, but I'll use it again, a bit bland by indie pop rock standards. And I'm, I'm glad we kind of wait to do these reviews, because if you had asked me after an initial listen, I would have been much higher on this record than I am now. I think it's shrunk on me with additional listens. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, there are still plenty of songs on here that, I I don't want to say plenty of songs, there's a handful of songs on here that I will continue to love and listen to throughout the entire year, uh, such as Don't Wanna, which is the wire tier of Heim song, in my opinion, just a perfect pop rock song. But very classic. Very, Heim too. It, that's exactly right. Very traditional Heim. Very. This yeah. is what I expect of Heim. This is what I love of Heim. Um, very catchy, sunny, sing along. It's got a nice final chorus to it. It, it well done. But uh, some of the experimental moments, um, though I appreciate the experimentation, they don't always click. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of ranting at this point, but I think you get my general feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that makes sense. There, the, those are similar in a way to how I feel. I think the redundancy is an issue on here. Like I kind of, um, I, I, I think that there's, 
not like any track on here that's like bad by any means mm. or just like oh we could have done without this but it gets to a point where i'm kind of like all right i feel like i've heard this one already a couple of times right um mm-hmm. and in terms of the experimentation on here and there's not like a ton of experimentation honestly on this album but there are moments that like i didn't expect um like like all that ever mattered for an example oh, right um kind of sounds straight up like a charlie xcx song in certain ways <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it, it, so like those moments on here are interesting and i think that they're um i think they're pulled off pretty well but i don't think they fit very well in the in the aesthetic of the album as a whole it just doesn't quite make sense and they try that a couple of times like just like really flipping the instrumentation all of a sudden on its head and i don't know i i think that it works on its own but in context with the other tracks on the album it kind of gets swallowed up by this other very kind of traditional indie folky mm-hmm. uh, sunny kind of tracks uh and you know, and, and I think that what they were going for with or with the experimentation doesn't quite land as as much as it could have because of that. Um, and I think just you know, experimentally, they're they're they are experimental for Heim, but they're not like that out there that you're right. like, whoa, what? Right. So you know, it's kind of like the first time you hear it, you're like, wow, that was cool, and then it just kind of after that starts to lose like the surprise factor so um yeah you know i i I feel like i'm a little bit more positive than i expected to be honestly but i'm still kind of like "Eh," like it's Mm -hmm. good Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that kind of feeling yeah I, i think you've just made a lot of good points um especially with the experimental moments not quite Maybe there's a sequencing issue or just a general cohesion issue, but All That Ever Mattered, which you just described, directly follows uh, this song called Man from the Magazine, which I really like um, personally. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a great, although brief, um, indie folk song about sexism in the music industry. Um, I guess this yeah. line that I like, uh, Man from the Magazine, What Did You Say?, do you make the same faces in bed? Like, you know, Haim will make faces while they're performing like any rock artist does, but because they're women, it has to be sexual or whatever. Um, I think that, I think it's a really cool song, a really cool concept, but, um, a lot of pretty much everyone in the world who has a reaction to this song, uh, immediately points to Joni Mitchell and they're not wrong. It's, it sounds precisely yeah. like a Joni Mitchell song. And when that precedes, all that ever mattered there is like a jarring disconnect that that happens in that moment um but yeah so but like you said the experimentation i think ultimately even when it doesn't land i at least appreciate it because the alternative is often songs that i wouldn't be able to distinguish from anything else i hear at a coffee shop you know um yeah yeah exactly and that's why i think that you know i'm i kind of 
enjoy it for the most part because also the execution on the songs themselves is pretty good i think but, the execution uh, is pretty good throughout the record period like i think it's very well done it's just not often my cup of tea yeah i think that there's maybe just one track like another try that i really could just do without that one mm, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of got that like halfway reggae feel to it yeah that i just like do not care for i wrote in my notes that it reminds me of that uh that dumb uh rude song that came out a few years ago you remember that it was like everywhere on the radio i actually don't remember it uh, for whatever reason. Uh, why you gotta be so rude oh. that's, that's <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of, and so I think you know that might be part of it too. But I was just like, "Oh, this is so stupid." Is that the one that's like da 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 da? Is it is it that song? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I hate that song. Yeah, I think I do too. Now it's gonna be in my head all day because I I sing it. So, but that is like probably the only track that i could do without which you know for the most part that's a that's a great thing because there's like uh 16 tracks on this album um mm-hmm. well, including like all the bonus tracks and everything yeah and, and i think um, oh yeah sorry go yeah. ahead no, no, no you go ahead that's fine i was pretty much done yeah and i, I, I think more about rude <laughs> <laughs> um there are moments that uh, were unexpected that I actually think kind of worked for me. So it's not just I only prefer or only enjoy right. the traditional. Um, a couple of songs early on, like Up From a Dream and 3 a.m., they, they kind of have these like dreamy, um, especially a song like 3 a.m. has these sort of like R&B elements to it. I, I think mm-hmm. those mostly work. I think they're I think they're all right. But, I mean, the... Uh, they're not among like my favorite songs on the record uh, or anything like that. But there are moments where they try to venture out of their comfort zone and it works. It's just uh, yeah. not frequent enough for me. I think Up From A Dream is actually maybe uh, my favorite on here. It's a good song, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love the weight of the sound behind here. Um, and this was the track where I was like, I was like, hold up. Like this is Vampire Weekend, <laughs> right? And then I and then I looked and I was like, okay, yeah, Rostam produced it. It sounds very much like that, but I think it's executed really well. I, I think I I really like that one. Three AM as an example, I wanted to point out because I think it's um, a pretty solid track. Um, I like the the funkiness of the groove whenever it comes in and everything. But one thing that was like really cool about it was just like there's a lot of humor to it. Yeah. Um, and just making fun of these like dumbass dudes that like call at 3 a.m. for the like a booty call, <laughs> but they're leaving like the dumbest voicemails, <laughs> <laughs> just like saying like nothing burger of pickup lines and stuff. I thought that was like a, a pretty good moment in the uh, in the in the track listing. Yeah, and, and, you know, I guess that kind of points to a consistent lyrical theme. I mean, you look at the album cover, and it's the three Heim sisters surrounded by what appears to be hanging meat. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's kind of the a, a general topic explored on the record, and, and I really enjoy uh, a, a lot of what they're saying on this record. Um, but, and I don't want to give Rostam all of the production credit here. Uh, Daniel Heim helps on every song. Um pardon me for this name, but Ariel Rexshide, 
um, helps with production on every song as well. And he happens to be uh, Daniel Himes' partner. Um, but it, it's just because of my fandom of Rostam's work in the past, I notice it like that when it happens. Um, yeah. Which is like the chorus of the very first song, Los Angeles. That is, that's not even, I mean, that is old Vampire Weekend. That's first album, mm. self-titled Vampire Weekend. Um, right, yeah. And I love it, but it does kind of stick out. Like, it's very rare that I hear a, a, a producer's signature sound like that, where I can immediately be like, oh, okay, that's that's a Rostam moment. Um, my ear isn't that great at picking up those things, but I guess uh, it's so signature that I, that I pick up on it here. Um, so it was, yeah, it was kind I, of weird to notice that, but... It was, it was pretty apparent. The influence was pretty apparent um, <laughs> on this album pretty much all the way through. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just taking a drink. <laughs> yeah. I was agreeing with that you. Was all, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was all I had to add to it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess overall, um, I don't have a ton more to say here. This is a catchy record. Um, even the songs that aren't huge for me, uh, they're at least pleasant for the most part they're certainly tolerable um but even when you factor out the bonus tracks i think there's still a good amount of filler on this album and uh though i appreciate the experimentation and occasionally like it um it's not experimental enough and i ultimately just prefer the traditional heim um don't wanna the steps i love those songs um but I could do without a few others here. This this album's good though. It, it it's pretty good overall. Um, certainly not feeling an eighty nine out of a hundred Metacritic, but uh, I'm giving it a high six out of ten. Oh okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I honestly I expected you'd be a little higher on this, but and I uh, was again uh, after my first listen, but it's just kind of falling off. I think so. Yeah. Not a bad score though. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I feel similarly to you on this. I think that it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good, but it's just kind of forgettable overall. Um, I think that there's a lot of tracks on here that are executed really, really well. The songwriting for the most part is pretty great. Um, but it, it just gets repetitive. Um, I, I kind of lose interest in the, sound of the album if that makes sense mm -hmm. um even with the experimentation i think that there could have if they were gonna if they were going to experiment i wish they would have done a little bit more so that it could have like you know either been either been more of an experimental experience or just kind of broken up the the kind of campfire folk that right. pervades the album I think that it's like not bad, but it just doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really land with me aesthetically. It's not something that I typically want to go back and listen to over and over again. But I like when I do put it on, I, I do like it. Like I get a good, satisfying feeling through the album. Um, so yeah, I understand why people love this album, but it just doesn't really connect for me. Um, on a personal level, so yeah, it's like a it's it's a six out of ten for me as well, like a very solid six out of 
6.0 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I think that's around where I expected it for you. Um, so once again, we have an average of 6 out of 10, um, mm-hmm. though a, a bit of a different... Very different feelings, for, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I guess if we're moving on to our third one, I'm going to guess, I'm I'm actually pretty confident that Ark is probably elder than... Nice. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I don't know Arca's age, but I'm pretty confident that Phoebe Bridgers is a fairly young artist. So, Yeah. So it's actually kind of funny because uh, <clears throat> I went by Daniel Hames, uh, mm-hmm. Himes' um, age uh, for just to, just as an overall for Heim. And she is 31. Mm. And Arca, she is 30 years old. So it was like, okay, this is perfect. Right. <laughs> Um. Wow, Arca's only thirty. I mean, she's accomplished like quite a lot already. So uh, yeah, right. I was gonna say I I, I thought she was gonna be like in her at least mid thirties, but right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Kick Eye is the name of the album, I believe. That's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um. Arca is a Venezuelan producer, singer, and songwriter. Kick Eye is her fourth studio album. Um, but the first one that we are discussing in detail on this podcast. Uh, she works frequently with other experimental artists as well. I, Her solo material hasn't always clicked for me, um, but I love her work with uh, FKA Twigs, and I'm pretty sure she had a decent-sized influence on uh, Yeezus as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she has a pretty signature sound at this point, though... She kind of threw it away this time, or not threw it away completely, but um, we'll get into it. This album yeah. c- currently has a Metacritic of 76 out of 100. Are you a fan of Arca's music, and what did you think about this more accessible direction for her? I think I've been a fan of the idea of Arca mm. more than her music for the most part. Like, Listening to her solo stuff is, I don't know, it's just a very unique experience. Um, And, like, I think at times it can be a little indulgent and a little bit, like, uh, a little bit, it has some sort of lack of direction to it. That's Mm -hmm. been a big issue for me. Um, But I think that, like, I've always really wanted to like have an Arca project that I just love right? because I think she's got such a distinct sound and she's so interesting in her approach. Um, I, 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 it's hard to find anybody else that's doing stuff like her. I mean, this album is venturing into the experimental avant pop world that we know, uh, like Charlie XDX or, you know, 100 Gex or like that kind of environment. It's starting to venture into that. Um, but Arca kind of honestly, I think, kicked that stuff off in a way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her influence, while I'm not like crazy about her solo stuff for the most part, her influence can't be understated. Right. Um, and so I understand why people like praise, like Pitchfork, for example, like they praise Arca. They've, since the beginning, they've been like, you know, high scores for most of her projects. But this one, yeah, I, I, I liked it 
um, yeah, for the most part, I liked it quite a bit. I think that there's still the same um, complaint that I have previously, where there just seems to be a general lack of direction mm-hmm. um, across tracks, and it it, it leaves some. Sometimes it leaves me with a pretty unsatisfying feeling. But there's so many just gorgeous moments on this. Um, album too and i think that the accessibility really works in her favor too yes i think that kind of taking away some of the i mean there's still a lot of experimental moments on here (laughs) i mean the uh track with sophie uh for example la chiki i'm probably gonna butcher (laughs) some of the pronunciation on this by the way but la chiki is like an example of just a bonkers track but for the most part like especially in comparison it's very tame and i think taking away that the option of of experimentation in a way kind of helped focus her sound and refined it a little bit and i think that overall it it works pretty well and i'm i'm pretty satisfied by by it for the most part that's a lot of really good points um and i agree this is clearly an experimental record, but it's also clearly her most accessible record at the same time. Uh, yeah. Which I enjoy because I kind of feel like you. I, I've always wanted to love an ARCA project, um, but I couldn't really... It's odd. I can tell her sound a little bit, but I can't really put it in a box. It, it's hard for me to fully describe her particular style um and i think that's well i think i think now too people have taken such influence from her sound right it's hard to like if it was like five years ago it'd be like yeah this is clearly nobody else is doing this but now yeah it's it's starting to kind of blend in with a lot of other people too sorry that was just no no, you're right because this does remind like in the past i think her style was maybe more distinct uh, than it is now, but um, that doesn't, that's not, it ends up not being a huge negative for me because I happen to prefer this particular direction. I right. immediately got Sophie vibes um, when I listened to this, and yeah. I love, I love her work. Um, and it turns out Sophie is featured on the record. So, as far as influence, um, I'm not sure Sophie happens without Arca. And I'm not sure Arca happens without someone like Bjork, who is also on this record. Right. Uh, so yeah. I, I did find that pretty fascinating. Um, I still can't fully get into this sound. As much as I appreciate this more accessible direction, and this is probably my favorite Arca record that I've heard at least, but I, uh, I'm not really into her voice, and there are a couple songs that, don't quite work for me, especially at the beginning. I think the second half is pretty great overall. Um, but uh, there's still just mm, something about that her style that doesn't doesn't quite click with me yet. And um, mm. I don't understand why, because again, like her, she has such a big imprint on FKA Twigs's work that I love. Um, right. But when it comes to her solo work, it, it, there's like a disconnect and I, I'm not sure why. And I've been trying to figure this out and I, I still can't articulate that. So I um, think one thing for me 
it might be different for you, but mm-hmm. one thing for me that keeps me from absolutely loving like any uh, like some of these tracks on here is just this sense of like sometimes it's the sense of experimentation for the sake of experimentation. Mm-hmm. I get that feeling. Um, and like there is a clear direction to how Arca wants to experiment with these tracks, some of these tracks. And um, there's, there is like, I mean, uh, there is a, a, you have to imagine that there's like a a purpose behind why it sounds so bonkers at certain points. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it, it just feels like things are getting kind of thrown in there just to add things in. Um, and that's been a problem for me in the past and it still surfaces on here. So I think that's, that's for me what, what it is. It's like when, I mean, it kind of subverts my listening expectations in a way, but it does that like right away. And then after that, it's like, after that, I'm kind of like, okay, well there, there wasn't anything else that was, uh, that was you know, either added in or edited down to a way that's like concise. Mm. So the ideas are really hard to grasp. Um, I will say though, I think that for the most part on this, I think that she captures this aesthetic that she's going for better than I've heard before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I honestly, like for the most part, really like, like uh, time is a good example of of um, capturing this aesthetic really excellently uh, because it's just there's this very subtle instrumentation that like is kind of abrasive but doesn't play a huge part until it starts like growing um, and I think that that's something on this record that is really apparent and is captured really well is this like. Uh, starting from nothing kind of idea and then just growing into something completely different. I, I love that as well. I, I, I got that on um, the following track, which, again, pardon me with the uh, pr- uh, pronunciation. Right, yeah. It, the, it, she is Venezuelan, and a lot of these song titles and lyrics are in Spanish, so I'm just going uh, to... Um, I think that's how you pronounce it but uh, it starts off relatively normal i suppose but then it kind of gets more chaotic as the song progresses and right. I, I do like a lot of that i think ultimately where my disconnect comes if i'm comparing arca's solo work to you know her work with twigs or kanye or whoever is that i don't i think someone like twigs is a better songwriter than arca is um where a yeah. lot a lot of these are great ideas, but they don't always work from beginning to end with structure, you, you know. Um, but there are some songs on here that um, that like again, they don't quite work as full songs, but I I really enjoy them anyway, just because the idea of what she's going for is really good. Um, I guess the two that come to mind are McQuetrefe that I just mentioned and KLK with Rosalia. And I, I, mm, I, yeah. I these songs are really fun. Um, they incorporate elements of reggaeton 
which I did not expect at all. Um, but it's just such a weird, like, experimental reggaeton. That's an interesting idea. It's an interesting venture. I'm enjoying it, but as a song, a complete package, there's, I don't know, there's still some hesitation there for me. Yeah, um, I would use, KLK is a good example of that. I think at the beginning of it, I'm like, I'm hooked. I think that it's got like this really great, like bouncy and aggressive um, aesthetic to it that I like. And uh, like these constant pauses are really disorienting. I like that. But I think by the end of it, I'm like, oh, like. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, right. Like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being on a, a this just really short roller coaster that just kind of throws flings you around for like you know two minutes and then you're done and that's it and you're like okay that was kind of fun but I don't know I, I don't know yeah. what happened it, like, <laughs> it, it it's a little unsatisfying in the end for yeah. whatever reason um, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. And for me, it, it takes a while for this album to even get going consistently. Um, but once we reach the second half, I'm kind of in. Uh, usually albums aren't like that for me. Usually I'm kind of in, and then mm-hmm. the repetition kind of makes me lose interest by the end of the album. This is the opposite. And maybe it's because of the feature work that dominates uh, much of the second half. But Yeah, I think that that really helps um, kind of break up like just this... Uh, uh, this this glut of experimentation on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say that it sounds like to you some of these more upbeat, uh, almost like clubby tracks in a way are kind of your favorite in a way. Yeah, and which which is not predictable, by the way. Of course, you know, <laughs> like a, a, right. yeah, right. Like I definitely love the more yeah. The, I guess the poppier moments. Um, whether right. yeah, whether it's clubby or not, I guess the popular moments seem to stick with me. Yeah, saying clubby doesn't really make sense because I mean, I, I'm not going to put. I would put rip the slit on in the club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but rip the slit on and like just watch people go. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Um, I was going to say. My favorite moments on here, and I, this is something that I think I really, really like about this album, are the slower, more mm. just intimate and like gorgeous uh, moments on the album. Like Time, I think is a great track. It's really beautiful. Calor is a very, very pretty, just straight up love song. I love how like crystalline and spacious the instrumentation is. I love the Bjork feature. Um, I, she, she's just, she's great. I mean, she fit perfectly on this mm. project. Um, it was kind of unexpected hearing her voice, but I was like, oh, well, this makes total sense. Uh, yeah, I, I love those elements of the, of the album. And I think that they add a lot of, um, theatrical elements to this to add just a lot of like emotion and color to it. Like, I think that that's what starts to set this album apart for me in hmm. terms of like, um, you know, what I'm, what I'm liking about it. Cause the, in, the experimentation is something I expected right? and I like it for the most part, but 
hearing Arca just genuinely put out these like gorgeous emotional uh, cathartic tracks is really really cool and i i kind of want um more of that hmm. okay oh, oh uh real quick what did you think of the song uh no Kata nada the closure oh i really like that uh <laughs> that track too and i thought that it was a really pretty like ballad and um but again it's it's a little bit like by the end of it i'm kind of like oh okay we're done like right mm-hmm. you know what i mean it, it, it it's kind of, it's kind of like freaky in a way of like how do we already finish the album <laughs> by this point um so i don't know it uh, yeah it, 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 i'm conflicted on that because i i think that it is a very pretty um closer track and it adds a lot of, you know, just fascinating aspects to the album. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still a little confounded on how I got to there. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be a Lady Gaga situation where we ultimately land in a similar spot, but we get there in different ways. Um, I think we pr- sure. we prefer different songs on here. But um, I guess that's kind of a plus for this record, though, is that there is a lot of variety and a lot to get out of it. Um the last thing I'll say as I kind of segue into my ranking here, uh, most of the lyricism is in Spanish, and I, I have a difficulty in, you know, kind of, I don't know. I, I Obviously, I understand English lyricism more. It's my native language. Um, right. But I did kind of go to Genius and uh, do the translator and all that. And I do like a lot of the lyricism on here. Um it's mostly about her identity. I believe this is her first album as as a trans woman. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of, like, especially the opener, non-binary, obviously, um, is about her identity. But I, I feel like that's, uh, it, it was a really cool topic that was explored in uh, multiple nuanced ways throughout the record. Um, and so I, I really liked that. Uh, aspect of the uh of the album here but yeah um plenty of songs about self-confidence in your identity as well which i thought was pretty cool it was a pretty empowering record uh in, in that aspect um but uh I, I guess this is just like bob dylan where <laughs> this is just like bob dylan um <laughs> where just leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> um where i really like the the lyricism and the content um but I'm getting some sonic disconnects. Uh, so I'm going, once again, a, a high 6 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I think I like this album um, overall. Huh. Yeah, for the most part. I, I think that it's... I, I do have like this push and pull between, like, you know what the reason was for some of these uh, sounds being thrown in. Some of these industrial elements are kind of like so chaotic that they almost feel meaningless in a way. Mm. Um, but I think overall, like I, I do like how heartfelt this project is. Um, and I get quite a bit of uh, an emotional experience from listening to it. Uh, I, I think that the more upbeat tracks are interesting and 
I, I, it's hard for me to say like what I would change about anything because it's so, you know, beyond my <laughs> recognition <laughs> of what a producer would normally do. Um, but it's, it's just, it, it's, it's on a level that like I can appreciate, but maybe not love, mm. um, in these experimental ways. But yeah, honestly, like I, I feel like I'm pretty positive by the end. I'm a little confused, but I think that this is a project that has been growing on me. And, uh, I don't know, maybe part of that is because I'm like, I finally need to make myself like an arc. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do, I genuinely feel like I have a connection with, you know, some of this, some of the subject matter that's being talked about, some of the instrumental moments that are just lavish and gorgeous. Um, I think it's a very nice project, but uh, I'm, I'm still a little unsatisfied, but I, I'm, I'm comfortable with giving this a solid 7 out of 10. Okay. Very nice. Um, yeah. This is the first of a four-album series, from what I understand, so I'm excited to see where she goes from here, because this was my favorite ARCA project, even though a 6 out of 10 isn't the most positive score of all time. Um, right. But we, uh, yeah, a 6.5 out of 10, which is currently our highest score combined so far. Um, we'll see if that changes with the Phoebe Bridgers record, Punisher. Yes. Um. So Phoebe Bridgers is, uh, you know who Phoebe Bridgers is if you've been on the internet. She's appeared everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. She's an indie rock singer-songwriter from Los Angeles, uh, as are Haim. Uh, uh, a lot of L.A. love here. Uh, she is known mm -hmm. for her yeah. solo work, and she's known for her membership in a few music groups, uh, including Boy Genius uh, with Julian Baker and Lucy Dacus. Um, their EP made my top 50 in 2018, I think. Uh, and yeah. uh, Better Oblivion Community Center with uh, Connor Oberst from Bright Eyes. She's in every group. She's actually the third member of Under the Scope. We just kind of keep that right. key. She's everywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Punisher is her second studio album as a solo artist, and it's receiving a ton of praise. Uh, not quite Bob Dylan levels, but it does have a Metacritic of 90 out of 100, and it received an 8.7 from Pitchfork. Um, I like this album, but I guess that you love this album. Um, so I, I'm interested to see if I was right. That was a fantastic guess. Yeah, uh, this seems way up your alley, um, especially with the Elliott Smith uh, influences that appear all over the record. Yeah, well, and direct reference at, at one point. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I love this project. You pre predicted it well. Um, I the songwriting on here is just absolutely fantastic. I love uh, Phoebe's vocal delivery too. She's got a very she's got a very powerful voice, but a lot of times it's very quiet and understated. But it still holds a lot of really heavy emotion to it. Um, and I just like how varied the songwriting can be at points. Like it, it can be very sunny at points, like on like Kyoto, or where you're basically kind of reminiscing over some, uh, you know, just good times that she had while she was in Japan. 
Um, and then also can just be like really heartbreaking talking about relationships that are ending or like we mentioned Elliot Smith, an interesting take on like what it would be to meet your hero and how they may not like you. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, some really, and, and a lot of, uh, of soul searching on this album um, and in, instrumentally too, I think that it's just very complex, well, not complex, but very layered and uh, gorgeous and a lot of the instrumentation just works perfectly to add a lot of texture and emotion to the really dense songwriting. So, yeah, I'm 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 a huge fan of this one. Yeah, I um, this is my favorite record of the day, but um, I still don't quite love it. Uh, I still don't quite get quote unquote uh, Phoebe Bridgers. Um, but I agree with a lot of what you said. I think the songwriting is often good. Uh, I do, uh, as well, like the lyrical topics. Um, even when it's something like Kyoto, like you said, about like her touring in Japan, it, it's about mm-hmm. that, but it's also about her complicated relationship with her abusive father. Um, so there, right. there always is this sort of like dark undercurrent to a lot of these songs, this really introspective, personal aspect to every song on here, and I really enjoy that. Um, there is a lot of um emotional resonance that this album has um i mean that like a song like um like punisher which is not the Mm -hmm. most engaging on this uh, record or uh, uh, most engaging song on the record musically but is another shining example of a song with a great lyrical theme some emotional resonance and some understated musicality to it and so while there are obvious elliot smith influences on the record i personally hear a lot of the national uh which is a band that she's worked with in the past um right and unfortunately the uh the things that hold me back about the national sonically uh carry over here in in a lot of instances uh where sure uh the instrumentals are understated, but sometimes they're a little too understated for me. There, I will say, contrasting this from Bob Dylan that I had a similar complaint about, um, the songs here, I, there is more depth, I think, uh, to the instrumentation. There is more variety, uh, but ultimately, uh, I, I'm not really sure. Um, so I want to love this record. There is a lot to mm. like about it. And I'm definitely going to continue to listen to Phoebe Bridgers going forward. I am a fan of her work, but I'm not quite at, I wish, I, I really do wish, I wish, like how you feel about Arca, like I feel about Phoebe Bridgers. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, so there you go. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess would it be like some of the repetition of the of themes or... Um, like the just the slow burning instrumentation like that kind of definitely i think that's just the the slow burning style doesn't always connect with me i think a song like halloween is a good example of that where i like connor oberst's feature here um i like the themes about a dead relationship and sort of using halloween as a metaphor to well hey we can pretend you know we can make this work if we just kind of pretend that it's working 
and right. it sounds pleasant, but ultimately it's just there isn't a ton of impact because it's sort of in one ear and out the other for me. Um, and that's okay. that kind of carries over to a few of these songs here, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's a that's fair. Um, I think for me it it works um, because I think that one thing that uh, she has really captured on this album is like is aesthetically I think it holds so much weight and guilt and uh, there's a lot of just uh, yeah there's a lot of pain behind the songwriting and I think that the instrumentation being so weighty and um, understated is really adds a lot of context to that mood um and i i mean i i can agree to a certain extent that like you know bands like the national like as an example like can take it to a point where you're like okay like i'm done with the sad boy rock yeah the like melancholy kind of, you know that yeah 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 but I, and i love the national but i i agree like you know there there can be a point to that um I think, though, that on this album, she varies her perspective on things so much that it ends up working because there's so much there's so much different subject matter that the instrumentation is having to push against. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and the instrumentation, like I said, is it, it's not like this the entire way through. I mean, like the closer track. I love it. Love it. Yeah, 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 it's great. And then, like, Graceland 2, like, it's a straight-up folk track for the most part. It's a boy genius um, track at that, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So there is variety to the instrumentation, but um, I think, like, what doesn't work for you actually, like, works <laughs> really well for me and is actually, like, some of my favorite parts <laughs> of the album. I think that she does the slow-burning... Um, tracks her best okay okay yeah I, and yeah. i think she does it well um and I, right yeah it, it's just i guess not it's super subjective but it's not really my yeah. my thing and um but I, I will say my biggest strength uh just to kind of her her song topics and you mentioned this where she kind of has like different perspectives on on different songs and i think that adds a lot to this record um, Chinese Satellite I thought was great yeah. um, it's about this it's about wanting to believe in like this you know this greater being or you know something greater than herself I suppose but yeah. ultimately kind of you know she says I want to believe instead I look at the sky and I feel nothing you know she talks about not really believing in the afterlife um, and it, it's just reflective of this sort of like pessimism and cynicism that has kind of permeated throughout her life um and, and I, I find that fascinating and that particular track is uh emotionally resonant with me uh, that you know that that's a song that impacts me um and i think part of that is because the instrumentation keeps me interested enough to hear her out uh which is not always something i get here Okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I love that track too. It's I a mean, good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that the subject matter and the songwriting on that is just fantastic. And 
um, this is something too, as an example, that I think is uh, um, another reason why I love this album is because a track like Chinese Satellite, like, uh, really showcases not only Phoebe Bridger's like own internal conflicts and anxieties and existential longings and things like that, but she's she writes very reflective of what like the current social media generation Mm -hmm. um if that makes sense what their perspective is on a lot of things i think that this is resonant overall um not just this not just chinese satellite as a track but the album overall is very resonant of a lot of the fears and anxieties that this generation is put through. Um, I Know the End is a great example of this because it's basically a song about the apocalypse. And mm-hmm. uh, this is, you know, something that <laughs> that this generation is constantly talking about, the threat of global warming and nuclear war and wealth disparity you know all sorts of stuff that can be you know that can be blown up into a huge huge existential issue um i think that you know tracks like that and just the the even the more personal tracks really reflect the spectrum of anxiety and emotion that is is very uh uh, relevant to what this current like twenty something generation is going through, and I think that that's really really impressive feat of songwriting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has a, a a great voice, and and not like not a singing voice. She does have a great singing voice, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, she she speaks for a generation in a way, uh, like you said, and I think she's great for that. Um, yeah. And she's got kind of a sardonic approach to right. these like really dark topics in a way too. There is some like dark Chinese humor satellite on is, this album that I, I really oh, appreciate. Yeah. 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 I mean Chinese Satellite is a good example of that too, because it's like it's kind of this like tongue in cheek, almost nihilistic, you know, track about like envying people that have religion in their lives. Um and I think that in a way, yeah, there's some dark comedy to that because it's, you know, it's just this longing for something that you don't have and recognizing that, uh, you know, you don't agree with these people. It's just the irony behind that. You don't agree with their perspective, but you actually envy them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say... Um yeah, so while she kind of speaks to the, I guess, was it Gen Z or late millennial? Uh, gosh, where sure. are we in this whole thing? Yeah. I just I just <laughs> say, like, people that are in their, like, late teens to late 20s. Like, that's my, right. <laughs> that's my, like, my spectrum here. Yeah, it, it, so, so she speaks to that, but it's also more nuanced than, I think, just saying, oh, well, she speaks to this generate like i like uh the title track um there is a lot of nuance to her perspective on this song 
right. or a punisher, I guess by her definition, is uh, kind of this well-intentioned person that can't see that you're trying to get out of the situation or get out of a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Like an old high school classmate you run into at a bar and now you're talking for 20 minutes even though you just wanted to wave at them. Um, right, right, yeah. But this is how she... You know, she kind of felt this way about Elliot Smith, where she kind of had this, like, obsessed fan perspective on Elliot Smith. But now that she is relatively famous, now she's experiencing the other side of that relationship. And that's why I, I find that song particularly interesting from a lyrical perspective. Um, and similar depth carries over into the lyricism throughout the record, uh, and that's a huge strength. I think maybe I've been a little, uh, I mean, I have my faults with this record, but I think I sound more down on this record than I actually am. I'm just shy of loving this record. Uh, I really do enjoy it. Um, and the last thing I'll say before I give my score here is that one of the best things I can say about Punisher is that it might have my favorite album artwork of the year so far. I, yeah. I, I think it's beautiful. I love that color scheme. I love the skeleton suit. I know it's kind of silly, but I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but that it, it fits with the like the theme of the album too, where you know yes. Phoebe is like Phoebe is being unapologetically herself, like even in humorous ways. Um, but there is a lot of like existential like despair going on too absolutely yeah right it's a it's a silly skeleton suit but it it tackles both the the humor and the like you said existentialism in her music um so yeah uh love the i mean huge elliot smith influences here a little bit of national that i hear at least and i am a fan of both of those artists so i'm i'm glad i'm hearing what i'm hearing um uh of any of these records we talked about today uh, this one impacted me the most emotionally. Um, the lyricism is often very great on this record. Um, the instrumentation, though I do have faults with it, is often quite pleasant and pretty, at the very least. Oftentimes it's more engaging than I'm giving it credit for. Um, but ultimately, I'm, I'm at a 7 out of 10 on this one. Mm, okay. That's, yeah, still very positive. Right, Def- and my most positive of the day. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I I love this album. I think that Phoebe Bridgers gives a really great uh, look into her own personal traumas and anxieties and, um, you know, fears and longings and while also reflecting this larger uh, this larger feeling outside of herself, like I said, that this 20-something generation is feeling. And I think that that is a really impactful, a really impactful thing, but also just shows just how great she is as a songwriter. Um, I love the instrumentation on this. I think that the a lot of the muffled drums and a lot of the understated skeletal guitars are 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 used fantastically love like the soft pianos on here her voice is great um yeah there's not a lot on here that i 
I don't really have an issue with very much on here at all. Um, I, I, I guess I could understand how people are like, oh, you know, because it's there is like that very classic indie rock feel to it. Right. Um, it's not a redefining project, but I think that just overall, it's fantastic. I, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a very tight project that goes through a full spectrum of emotions. Um, nine out of ten. Hey, all right, very nice. Yep. I, I was thinking, uh, I was guessing like a mid to high eight, but uh, wow, very very good stuff. Um, yeah, I love this project. Oh, one thing I wanted to—I know we have like just a couple minutes, but mm-hmm. one thing I wanted to say real quick, like. I know that she changed the ICU to to ICU because of COVID. I didn't. Totally but we know why. Me of, of, <laughs> the, uh, of the BoJack. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. I, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because that's uh, that's what I thought of too. Because of course I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that was. You could have told me that was the reason, and I probably would have bought it. Uh, that's just kind of who Phoebe Bridgers is. Um, yeah exactly yeah and that's very i'm glad you brought that up Uh, one last thing i'll say about phoebe bridgers is there is a lot of backlash to her right now because she's getting a ton of coverage um and i think that's kind of i think that's kind of dumb and unfortunate uh you know she's getting coverage because people want to read it and uh that's just how it works and i don't think that other arguably over covered artists get the same backlash i mean this just reminds me of uh, snail mail from a couple of years ago where right she got a lot of coverage and then uh people were just like oh well I, i'm tired of this you know like i don't know that it's it's not people very very quick to to talk about why female artists aren't as good as a lot of people are talking about <laughs> right right it's like oh but it, you know and if you don't like this record that's fine but i mean I would argue JPEG Mafia got overcovered, and no one had a problem with that. And I love sure. JPEG Mafia. So, um, and there are plenty of other artists that get a ton of buzz every time an album drops. But Phoebe Bridgers is overcovered, I guess. So whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, interesting group of records today, Patrick. Thank you for discussing them with me. Even if I didn't love any of them, um, I liked these for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, this was a very, very good group to talk about. Absolutely. Um, So, yes, thank you for joining me. Uh, Thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. So, bye.